Hey gang, Ross Brand here. We're going to get started with StreamYard Connect in just a second. If you've ever wondered what it's like to make a living from your hobby or to podcast professionally, uh, a show host and a producer, and that's what you do to make your living, we have Jim Harold from Jim Harold Media, who's been podcasting since 2005, went pro about eight years ago, and he's going to join us in just a little bit to tell his story. And also, I'm going to talk about how to get access to Amazon Live. I've been live streaming on Amazon Live for, four, four, I think, four times now, about five hours of live streaming since it happened last Wednesday. It, it opened up to Amazon influencers. I'll tell you how to apply. I'll give you my insights on using it with StreamYard. lot to do. Let's start the show. Welcome to StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. This is the show where we talk about all things to do with StreamYard, the live streaming industry, and we also bring on great guests like Jim Harold. Today, a professional podcaster will be joining us to talk about his story in just a little bit. Jim is a best-selling author as well. He's an expert in the paranormal and true crime, and he also podcasts about podcasting. And a good friend, I met him at Podcast Movement a year ago. I was just thinking back to Podcast Movement because I got the message today that Podcast Movement, which was supposed to take place in the summer, was pushed back to October. And today the message came through that Podcast Movement is uh, being canceled for the year due to the pandemic and the situation in Texas where it was going to be held this year in Dallas. Uh, and so with that, I, I was thinking about last year and what a great time I had and how I was talking with Jim Collison, who had just adopted StreamYard and was asking me questions about it. And Jim comes by and I, I met him in person for the first time. And he said, well, I, Jim Harold, that is, and he said, "I want to, I want to get into live streaming again. Tell me about Streamyard," and that's how we started talking. So I, I also look forward to hearing what he's been doing with Streamyard since he's been using the platform. Uh, I, he's uh, a top-notch professional. He's got a broadcasting background as well. Can't wait to talk to him. The show is Streamyard Connect. If you haven't been here before. StreamYard's a live streaming platform that makes it very easy to go live in high quality, and it's easy to use. It's a stable platform and professional-looking streams. Those are the three pillars right there, the co-founders, Dan Briggs on the right, Gage Vandentop on the left, uh, and those are the three pillars that guide what they do. You can go to uh, a bunch of different destinations, Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live, Periscope, which gets you on Twitter, and also your Twitch channel if you have one. If not, think about creating one. And RTMP, which means if the site that you want to stream to, you don't see among these destinations with uh, native integration, you can go to the site you want to stream to 
And in most cases, there'll be the ability to get a stream key and uh, RTMP URL. You enter those into StreamYard and you can connect to that destination. And in fact, in just a minute, when I talk about what's involved in going live with Amazon Live, I'll show you how to do that so you can use StreamYard instead of having to go live natively on your mobile phone in the app. You could actually go live from your mobile phone using StreamYard and still get all the advantages of your overlays and text and green screen and, and so forth. So uh, that's, that's StreamYard in a nutshell. Of course, you can use green screens. You can go to uh, up to two destinations on the basic plan, eight destinations on the pro plan now, you can have up to 10 people on screen, a lot of cool features, and the quality doesn't diminish as you add destinations and you add guests. So StreamYard rolling on with uh, a bunch of new features. Uh, like I mentioned, mobile hosting is another one that they came out with, and basically you go live in your native mobile browser for that mobile device. So if you have an iPhone or an iPad, you'd be going live using stream, uh, using uh, uh, Safari. Too many S's there. You'd be going live on StreamYard using Safari. So you set it up in your browser just as you would on, uh, on a desktop or laptop. And if you have Android, you'd be going uh, live using the native Android browser. Let's talk about a little bit of industry news before we get into uh, Amazon Live. Um, just a couple of things in addition to the fact that uh, podcast movement won't be happening this year, although they are doing a virtual conference and they're talking about doing it, I believe, at the end of August. They're trying to make it the world's biggest which is uh, certainly what PodFest is trying to do in the beginning of August, or at least have it as the most attended in the world. Uh, and so I guess that's the contest between the, the world's two biggest podcast events. So uh, in addition to that, uh, just a couple stories I wanted to highlight. Luxury brands are gambling on live streaming. Not a shock. Everybody else is live streaming these days. You can't have customers necessarily come in to stores, depending on where you're located. And more and more people are getting used to using live streaming tools for work and for uh, communicating with family and so forth. So shopping continues to be uh, the next frontier for a lot of business owners and a lot of different industries. And Vogue wrote about luxury brands taking the gamble with live streaming. Also, and I'm sure this comes as no shock to most people, but I wasn't 100% sure of it. Uh, until I saw this article in The Hindu, and that is Amazon Live is powered by Twitch technology, which makes perfect sense because Twitch has, uh, you know, really well-built, really well-run uh, technology, and it's a great site in terms of quality. And so Amazon Live, which Amazon owns Twitch, so it totally makes sense that they would be using that, but I didn't know 100% for sure. And also, The Verge reported that video podcasts are now available on Spotify. And that's available if you are a viewer, a listener, a subscriber. Uh, I believe they're available both on the free and the premium plan. 
if you're thinking of actually putting your video on Spotify, that's going to be a while. They're only starting with some major, major players uh, and their own programs that they own or that they've contracted. I do not believe that they are opening it up at this time to most people. Uh, but it's a start, and it's what Spotify wants to take on YouTube. So as we talked about a few weeks ago with their big signing of Joe Rogan, who's always among the top podcasts in the nation, maybe in the world, uh, it's not really just about podcasting. It's a play for video because podcasters like Joe Rogan, well, especially Joe Rogan, have a huge audience on YouTube. And so by going exclusive into Spotify, Spotify then brings that audience and hopes they'll stay there and get accustomed to watching video podcasts on that platform as well as making it their favorite platform to listen to podcast. So that is what's going on in the news. I want to talk about Amazon Live. I've gotten a lot of questions this week. How did I get it? How do you use it? How do you get it? So let's let me break down kind of the stages of of the Amazon Associates program because that's where this all falls under. So in order to become eligible for Amazon Live, the first thing you have to do is be part of the Amazon Associates program. Now, the Amazon Associates program is what most people think of as being an Amazon affiliate. It's where you can share links with your content. People click on the link, and for a certain period of time, if they buy that product or another product on Amazon, you get a commission. So it's the basic program. I'm sure a lot of people who are uh, watching or listening right now are already part of that program, already list links maybe when they go live on or go live on YouTube or upload a video they may have websites with content that relates to a product on Amazon and they may put that Amazon link in that you know in a blog post or so forth okay so that's your basic Amazon associates program which most people start that's the starting point right that's you're an Amazon affiliate the next step up is the influencer program and I saw an advertisement for it. I don't know if it was targeted to me or not, but that I saw it about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, and I applied. And basically, uh, the first step to applying is to find out whether you're eligible or not. As you see the graphic up on the screen, on the, the arrows pointing to the right, you find out if you qual if you qualify, I guess, the first stage of finding that out is by entering a social media account. Now, don't make the mistake I did, which was I put my YouTube account in at a time when I had far less, and I don't have a big YouTube channel by any means now, but at a time I had a fairly small following on YouTube, and I put my YouTube account, maybe I wanted the URL to say Livestream Universe or something, and I got declined. So a couple days later, I came back, I put my Twitter in and I got accepted. So think about which of the accounts among YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, you have the most followers along with, they also consider engagement and a couple other metrics. So use the one that's going to get you approved, obviously. <laughs> uh, if, if Twitter or, uh, if Twitter or YouTube works for you, then go ahead and, and use that because, uh, you can find out instantly with Facebook and Instagram. You have to wait five days. 
The next step is to set up your storefront. And that means once you get accepted, you apply, you have to put in some information and you find out, okay, congratulations, you've been accepted. Uh, the next step is to set up a storefront and you get a unique URL that'll be amazon.com slash shop slash whatever uh, URL, whatever name you put in or what have you. Mine turned out to be my, my Twitter account uh, and and then you can set up your store and you can showcase products that you like, that you use. Uh, you can put these lists together. Like I have a list of authors I've interviewed. I have a list of uh, mobile live streaming products. And, uh, you know, I have a whole bunch of other lists. We'll have to add Jim Harold, by the way, to that uh, list of authors now. We can sell his stuff uh, after he comes on the show today uh and so that is that is uh the process basically to apply set up that store so you got to get you got to be in the amazon associates program you apply to become an influencer once you're an influencer you have to have an active store set up your store set up your storefront make that page active create a couple of lists and then you can apply for amazon live you apply for Amazon Live by downloading the Amazon Live Creator app. And it's only available right now on iOS. It's optimized for iPhone, but you can use it from an iPad. You download that Creator app, and then you can apply for the on-site program, which is how you get Amazon Live. You'll have to put all your information again. It's a different there's some difference in commission structure, I believe, because I have two separate uh, databases or whatever where they track my, you know, per purchases that people make and so forth. So uh, that is the process for applying. Uh, later on, when we uh, do a little post show, uh, after we talk to Jim, I'll come back and I'll show you how to connect to StreamYard. Uh, if you'd like to stream with StreamYard instead of stream from the Amazon Live Creator app. So we'll take a look at that a little bit later on. There's a quick preview, but let's get to our guest. Jim Harold is a professional podcaster. He's been doing this since 2005. In the last decade alone, he has 40 million downloads. He focuses on the paranormal, true crime, and podcasting and he went full-time in 2012 and he's a great podcaster and broadcaster and a friend and i'm excited to add jim harrell hey. jim welcome it's great to have you on the show good to see you ross thank you for inviting me on the show i was learning there i was watching this information about amazon i'm in the influencer program but i haven't taken that next step so i was uh, kind of uh downloading all your information oh, there so so yeah. great stuff as always <laughs> well it's great to have you here and um you know we talked a lot about Streamyard when we met in person at podcast movement and so i will be going through how to use Streamyard for the influencer program after in the in the in the post show but i wanted to ask you because when we met you were you were looking to get on Streamyard. tell us a little bit about what you've been doing with Streamyard since then 
Well, let me say that uh, I've only scratched the surface. I have a long way to go. Uh, my day job is uh, working for my own little company and putting out my podcast. So I fit in video where I can, and I want to do more and more of that as we go along. But uh, I find StreamYard uh, a very quick and easy way to increase audience engagement, uh, to do uh, the occasional session where I just drop in and say, hey, ask me anything. Let's uh, let's just chat and those kind of things. And then also some other more structured kind of situations. Uh, I've been doing this summer uh, during this whole COVID crisis. I wanted to do something special for my audience. So I've been doing a paranormal game show along with my wife and we have three contestants every week <laughs> and it's almost a uh, almost a Jeopardy style game show that we've been doing. And more and more, what I want to do is I want to record my audio interviews on StreamYard, not all of them, but some of them, and also feature them as uh, YouTube videos. Last week, I got to interview Bridget Marquardt, who is of uh, Playboy fame. And she used to be on that TV series, The Girls Next Door, but she is a keen paranormal enthusiast and has her own paranormal podcast. So, uh, uh, so interviewed her and then repurposed that for my podcast. And I love the audience interaction, the ability to ask questions, which is something that is not easy to do on a podcast. But with StreamYard, you can do the video, ask the questions, and then reincorporate that into an interview uh, format for a podcast. So I'm looking to do more and more of that. So I just feel like I've... Uh, uh, I've scr scratched the surface uh, with StreamYard and people seem to love it and it's so easy to use and uh, it's just a, a great, great system. I'm fascinated by the game show, which I, I have up on the screen at the moment. Tell us a little bit about how you, uh, like, are you using other software in combination with StreamYard? How are you organizing uh, what's on the, the right side of the screen, uh, yeah. in order to keep track of scores and post the questions right. and stuff. Cause it's a really cool setup. Yeah. Uh, actually my wife, uh, who is the second person down below for me on that graphic there runs the show while I'm hosting it. And she interjects, she has the little, mm -hmm. little zingers and things and keeps me in line and reminds me whose turn it is. Uh, and she actually runs the game show off of another site and runs that as a screen share and it works mm. brilliantly. That's great. That's great. So, uh, before we get to your story about professional podcasting, uh, tell us a little bit about what the paranormal is and how you got interested in it and uh, what kind of shows you're doing right now on uh, the paranormal. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I've been interested in the paranormal since I was a little kid. Uh, it goes back to that old show. Some of your uh, folks of a certain age will remember in search of with Leonard Nimoy. And I, you know, I consider myself uh, a pretty level headed guy feet on the ground. I have a master's mm -hmm. degree, so I'm not like out in the clouds somewhere, but I've always believed that there is another side of life. And that there are things like the afterlife. And I think there might be something to UFOs. And I think there might be something to ghosts. So uh, back in 2005, I had actually been working radio, but on the advertising side. I'd gone to school to be a broadcaster, actually more television than anything else. That's another reason I'm so fascinated by StreamYard. We could do something on a browser that would have taken a right. video truck <laughs> and a satellite uh, 15 years ago, Ross. But anyway... <laughs> 
<laughs> the point is, the 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 point is, is that I always wanted to be in front of the mic, and you know, uh, I had two small children at the time. They're now in college and last year of high school. I had a wife. I had a mortgage and all the associated bills that go with it. And it wasn't like I could just pick up stakes and go to Paducah and try to become a radio or TV personality. So I said, you know what? I might not be able to do that, but I'm, I'm hearing this uh, podcasting thing. And I heard great people like Leo Laporte and Adam Curry mm -hmm. doing shows. And they were fantastic pro podcasters. Like, oh, I can't do that. But then I listened to some of the homemade ones. And I'm like, well, I can do that. And maybe <laughs> a little better. So I started uh, July 29th, 2005, one week from today as we record this. I'm one week away from my 15-year anniversary. And I started doing it. And uh, first two or three years was kind of here and there every three months, every four months. I wasn't on a super regular schedule. And I was at a job. I was a digital sales manager for a cluster of uh, stations in Cleveland, where is where I live, uh, of radio stations, four radio stations. And I kind of thought that was going to be the dream job. That was going to be the job that catapulted me to the heights of broadcasting management. And I realized, nah, I don't think so. I like the job. I like the people, but it just wasn't that. So I, 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 I in 2008, I remember I was at my daughter's T-ball game. I was listening to Dan Carlin doing ha hardcore history, and he's still going strong mm -hmm. today. One of the greatest podcasts <laughs> ever, Hall of Famer. And I heard he had a commercial. And I'm like, well, you know, people keep saying they want more shows. I told my wife then in 2008, I said, I'm going to do six months straight, never miss an episode for six months, one every week and see right. what happens. But that six months that <laughs> I got my first serious advertiser, which came to me and that said, the universe is telling me I need to do this. I added the show, uh, campfire, which is my most popular show where people come on and share their paranormal stories. It could be right. ghosts, could be cryptic creatures, could be UFOs, could be head scratchers. And, uh, started that in 2010 and just kept going and going. I started a premium service uh, around 2011, which was very early. Nobody was doing that with because they said no one would pay for podcasts. <laughs> and they were wrong, thankfully. And people started signing up for that. And I started getting more advertisers. And I told my wife, you know, uh, here's my regular income. This income's coming like this, and I'm doing it part-time. I can flip this if I can get rid of, rid of this pesky day job. Mm. And lo and behold, she said, go for it, which is really makes her a remarkable person <laughs> Right, right. in 2012, because podcasting wasn't the hit it is now. And I just grew it slowly and surely. And again, I make a middle-class living. I'm not a multimillionaire or not even a millionaire, unfortunately, but I make a nice middle-class living able to support my family have been for eight years. And I am still optimistic that I'm only at the beginning Right. Um, and I think I've done over 2000 episodes now. Uh, my, the way I earn my living is through ad sales. And I, for years I used third parties and then realized, well, wait a minute, what did I do for about 15 years for a profession? Started selling my own ads and I'm selling more ads now than I ever have, but I always keep integrity with that. And the other half is through premium podcasts. Uh, mm -hmm. certainly I always have free shows for the paranormal podcast and campfire that people can get at any time, but if they really love it, they can get the full back catalog and, uh, and, uh, it just seems to work so far. So, uh, fingers crossed Ross. And I do think video 
is a key component of my future strategy and really want to expand on that because I think that it's not a replacement for podcasting, but I think it's a great supplement and adjunct to it for me. Well, you have a great set. You have great gear. You know, your, your, your whole video presentation looks awesome. I've watched some Thank of you. your stuff. So, I mean, you're all set for video. You just have to figure out which way to monetize, I guess, or yep. how it fits your, your overall. There's so many different directions um, oh, yes. in, in, that I could go in, in, in just listening to your story. I guess a couple things stand out. One is that being a sales manager uh, in radio probably was a huge help in structuring how you were oh, going to yes. make your pitch and how you could price things and what mm -hmm. to deliver and what didn't need, what needed and didn't need to be in, in, in the package and so forth and what, uh, how to measure and, and all those kind of things probably came much more naturally to you. The other question I had was, you know, when you went into sales and radio, were you, did you become passionate about that or were you thinking, okay, I'm going to do this long enough until somebody says, you know, take over my show or whatever, you know, <laughs> well, they, it, it rains and somebody doesn't want to want to drive in the rain and you hop on and uh, they never take you off again. You know, were you, were you looking at it at that angle or you were happy to be, uh, you know, in, in the uh, business side of the business? Well, at first it was kind of like that. I didn't think they were going to tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey kid, we need somebody on the air right now. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to happen, but back in the day, this is really before the internet took off. We were told in the early 90s, hey, if you get a chance to get a job in any radio or TV station, just take it. Just get in the building and then you can pick your spots from there and maybe move around. And I and this was actually a smaller station. It was a classical station. And the cool thing about it, and it reminds me so much of my days of podcasting, is you wore a lot of different hats. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. I actually found as I went to bigger stations, I enjoyed it less. So initially mm. I thought, you know, this is kind of a good holding place to get me to network with some people. And then maybe I can get a job that's more on the on air side or something like that. Right. And, and you know how sometimes life goes, you start going down a path and you just end up further in. And it's like a maze. Once you're in, it's like, oh, I'm in this and I don't think I'm going to be in that maze over there. <laughs> And, you know, when I first started podcasting in 2005, I never, 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 ever considered it a possible career move. I thought it was just for fun because I've always legitimately been interested in the paranormal. And it just worked out that way. And, and, and again, it kind of goes back to my philosophy. I think things happen for a reason. I think that's what's meant right. to be. And I will say this to your point. You know, I used to curse those sales jobs because not only did I work in radio, for most of my sales career, I was in radio, but I also worked in print media when that was mm -hmm. still a thing. Um, <laughs> and and in some of the jobs I ended up having, I hated. Mm. I'm like, oh, gosh, why am I doing this? Well, the thing is, is I use lessons from every one of those jobs every day because I run a full business. I always say that my strength, Ross, is my mediocrity. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I'm not the best person on air. I'm not the best salesperson. I'm not the best interview. I'm not the best tech guy. Uh, I'm not the best uh, person to set up a video studio uh, or audio. But what I have going for me is I can kind of do all those things relatively competently. Uh, so my mediocrity is my superpower. <laughs> well, I think you're selling yourself short some. 
But you know what's interesting about running your own podcast network and being a professional podcaster, or even in the skills people apply as a hobbyist podcaster or somebody who uses it as a side hustle and keeps their day job, uh, the versatility of skills is needed. Yes. Uh, You're a one-man show when you're doing your thing for the most part, right? I mean... Yeah, I have a virtual assistant up in Canada. She works wearing 10 hours a week, and she's fantastic. She helps me... uh, uh, she helps me book guests and things. I do have a, a, a lady and she's very kind and she's paid for it, but she offered to do it voluntarily. And I said, Oh no, 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 you get paid for this. Right, right. I actually have her listen to my shows after they're done as a step of quality control to make sure, mm. um, that there's no flubs or errors. Cause you know, sometimes when you re-listen to something, you miss things. And then this summer I have my daughter helping me out with some editing and she's very good. But overall, I mean, I'm the only full-time employee of Jim Harold Media. So it's a it's a it's a one-man band with a little bit of help. Right, right. And if you're at a radio station or a TV station, you pretty much sink or swim based on how you do in one area. Right. You're you're either a salesperson and you're making yep. sales or not. Or you're you're on air and either you're getting ratings or you're not. And, you know, this this is a, you know, or you're a tech person. You know, when I was on air and radio, I didn't know a lot of the tech because why Call the engineer. I, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it, 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 but here you need to do everything. You need to have yep. business skills. You have you have to know how to set up the tech. You have to know how to book the get. You know, uh, it, it's very much you know put a combination, a stack of skills, as as you mentioned. I want to bring in a couple questions from Brad Friedman. I think they're great questions. Um, he asks, "How did you know or learn what to charge the advertisers?" And what metrics do you need to have before advertisers get interested? Well, I think that it's important if you're interested in advertisers. It depends. There's two different models. There's the sponsorship model and the CPM model. CPM, for those not familiar, is cost per thousand. Right. Now, I go on the cost per thousand um, situation. I had seen what third parties were charging, and I follow the industry news and everything very co- closely. So I, I knew what the kind of average CPM was I had done my research. So that's how I found out. And for a CPM model, um, it's very important to have strong numbers and I play very straight with my numbers. I don't exaggerate or, or anything like that. And what you want is you want to have a media host who has IAB numbers, internet advertising bureau numbers. So you can quote those back to the agencies because I think right now, you know, that's what the agencies are expecting. I have Libsyn, for example, is my host for my shows, and they have IAB statistics. So that's what I used. And the the research on the CPMs was just basically industry research and seeing what third parties were charging for my podcast and what the market would fairly uh, bear. Another point I would make uh, to people wanting to um, – have advertisers on their shows is that maybe CPM isn't right for them. There was a great um, Dave Jackson, which, you know, Dave, and most people watching this knows Dave had a great segment with uh, a gentleman uh, by the name of, I believe his name's Ed Sullivan uh, by the same name of the uh, famous uh, uh, variety show host of like the fifties and sixties. Not the guy who brought the Beatles to America. Yeah, that, but it's not him. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. Not him. Really big shoe, really big shoe here. But anyway, um, he had talked, he works on a cigar podcast 
And they, uh, they're not a CPM based. It's just their advertisers are so niche and so specific. I mean, would you rather reach a hundred thousand people who are interested in a general audience kind of thing? Or would you rather, and I don't know their numbers, but you rather reach a much smaller number, but they're all intensely issued, uh, interested in that subject. Now there's not a huge market for ghost meters or things like that. So for me, that sponsorship situation doesn't make as much sense. But if you're in something very, very specific, let's say you do a podcast or a live stream series for car mechanics, you know, it might make sense to go to a car, uh, you know, someone who sells supplies for car mechanics or training for car mechanics and sell that more on a sponsorship basis uh, where it's a flat rate as opposed to a seat cost per thousand model. So it all depends on your situation and who your audience is and, and how that's all set up. The other thing I'd say for me, and I've been running advertising on my shows uh, for the last 11 years, is um, always be very careful who you're aligning yourself with and make sure that you're only aligning yourself with reputable products or services. My kind of feeling on that is either things A, I use or things that I would use if I were in need of them and that you research them and check the reviews and all that. I have turned down many thousands of dollars of worth of uh, advertising, first of all, because I value my audience. I value what they have made it possible for me to do. And secondly, I don't want to tarnish my name and my reputation with something fly by night. Right. So every time I get a request for advertising, I vet the company as best I can to make sure that they are uh, above board and providing a good product or service. And I just think that's part of being a good person and, and serving your audience. And, and that's always key. You got to serve your audience, whether it's in video or it's in audio. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. We're talking with Jim Harold, the host of several different podcasts on the Jim Harold media podcast network it's jimharold.com where you can check him out 40 million downloads over 2000 episodes focusing on paranormal true crime and more and he also has a, a great podcast that's on hiatus called pod lords that i've had the privilege of being on and if you're just looking to learn about what's going on with podcasting and related uh, audio and video and so forth that's that's a great one to check out he's had a, a lot of people on who uh have some expertise in a certain area who've been podcasting for a, a long time uh and if you're not using Streamyard yet which a lot of people now use to not only record podcasts but of course go live as we are here you can check it out livestreamuniverse.com slash streamyard livestreamuniverse.com slash streamyard so, Jim, I think a lot of people would say, and you sort of kind of hint at it, you're kind of living the dream, right? You don't have a, an office that you have to sit in and deal with office politics, and you don't have a boss over you. You're, you're your own man. You're doing what you love to do, which is podcasting. Um, is, it, is it what you thought it would be when you went solo? Is it, is it something that you really love doing? Uh, or is it, was it like strictly a business decision where you said, okay, this is going to make me more money in the long run than working for somebody else? Well, uh, 
Well, I think that business came into play to it because I could see that, you know, I was not going to be one of those big risers. Uh, I never liked playing politics. Uh, I, I'm probably a little bit too nice of a guy. And uh, maybe maybe I'm a jerk. Maybe I just think I'm a nice guy. <laughs> but but the point is, is I just never saw myself that way. I and I often felt like I was capable of things. I had great ideas. I thought, mm -hmm. and I said, I'm tired of like putting out all these great ideas, and they just pat me on the head and say, go sell another banner ad or something. And um, one of the organizations I work for, No Names Please, I had told them to get on the podcasting bandwagon back in 2010, 2011. And they're like, oh, that's nice. Go sell another ad. And now, uh, you know, they, they're crawling over themselves to be a part of podcasting. So right. I knew that I had some good ideas and, and they don't all work. I've had my share of pod faded shows and in it wasn't just about money though. It was about satisfaction. And again, not a millionaire, mm -hmm. hopefully someday, hopefully the audiences will continue to build. And if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, you know, if they come to me and say, well, uh, you know, we'll give you, uh, uh, you know, 5% of what Rogan got, uh, we'd like to buy out your shows. I'd certainly <laughs> listen. But the, the point is, is that it is kind of, my dream scenario. Now, the one thing that I caution against is that, and this is part of the reason I'm looking at video and other things, you've always got to, you can't say I made it. Right, okay. Right. Because things always change. So you got to say, okay, I've made it up to this point. How can I keep making it? Right. And how can I keep building and how can I keep improving? And that's why something like StreamYard and video appeals to me because it's something that I can build on. And a big right. thing they say, diversify your income streams, right? In business. Right. So the, the point is that you never get to a point, I don't think, where you say, ah, I made it. I can relax because the minute you relax, then it becomes the who stole my cheese scenario. <laughs> right, right. It's like, so I don't think I ever have it made. To date, it has been fantastic, and I hope it stays that wow. way, and I'm going to do everything I can to keep it that way, but I never get comfortable because you never know what the future is going to hold. But I also think there's so much excitement. We were talking today offline, and I kind of made a joke. I said, I'm a perfectionist about right. the lighting and all of this, but then you look at some of the biggest videos on the internet, and they look like they're shot with a potato. <laughs> a potato. <laughs> so I, I just... You know, you have to figure out the right content, not just delivering right. in the most crystal clear, beautiful way, which I think is very admirable, but also figuring out what is that right content. I did that with Campfire. That's the show that powers everything I do. And that's a show that people, if I miss a week, they're true stories of the supernaturals told by my callers. So I'm certainly going to be doing some stuff with video because it's not only the medium. You can have the clearest video. You can have the slickest interface. But if you're not giving people the content they want, it doesn't it doesn't matter. So that's really where I'm at. I I'm, feel very comfortable with the technology. I love what StreamYard's doing. Just got to figure out how to best capitalize on that. Yeah. Um, I want to bring in a question from uh, LinkedIn, and I don't know if it's for me or you, so I'll answer it, and then you can answer it. Uh, Shane asks, how many channels are you streaming on? Which ones? So right now... We are going to Facebook Live on the StreamYard Facebook page. We're going to Periscope slash Twitter on my Twitter account. We're going to my LinkedIn account. 
and we're going to the StreamYard Twitch channel. Uh, when you go live, are you multi-streaming? What are your destinations of choice for the game show and for the interviews that you do? Right now, what I'm doing is I'm going to my personal profile, my uh, my page, uh, two groups <laughs> on Facebook, YouTube, and tw just added Twitter uh, as, uh, you know, the... Uh, They've increased their destinations, I believe, to eight. Yes. And uh, so Pro that's plan. what I'm doing right now. Twitter sometimes, yes, sometimes, no. But I figure, put it out there, you know. Why not find the people where they're at? I really want to focus on getting people to that YouTube channel. But maybe if I can hook them in other places, maybe, you know, obviously refer them back to that uh, that YouTube channel. So uh, right now, that's uh, that would be... One, two, three, four, four places on Facebook. Uh, fifth would be YouTube and six would be Twitter. Wow. Uh, tell us a little bit about a day in the life of a professional podcaster. How much time do you spend hosting? How much time you spend producing? What's, you know, I, I'm sure there's no typical day, but talk about, you know, the various things you're doing, because obviously, you know, somebody once said to me when I worked in radio, Oh, you're on from three to six, so you only have to work three hours a day. Well, right, it's right. not exactly like that. Not at all. Not at all. And then he's well, you know, you're busier now. You're on five hours or whatever. Uh, no, my I still work eight hours plus a day. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I work even more now doing my own stuff than I ever did working for uh, a company because. There's other people with responsibilities. There's a promotions department. That's There's right. There's a marketing department, a sales department. There's a production department. There are people who book guests. There, you know, this is you're, you're all in one. So to break it down a little bit if you can for us. Sure. Give us an idea what a day in the life of Jim Harold Media is like. I'll be honest with you. Kind of what I do, I equate it to running a small radio station. It's the same mm -hmm. job functions. So um, typically I try to do most of my recording on Wednesdays and Thursdays and try not to do recording. I try to do batch recording. Now right. the quiz show is on Tuesday night. So during the summer, we're doing that every week. And then Wednesdays, I started eight. 30 in the morning and I finished about 10 at night because I have all my campfire calls that day, plus some other interviews dispersed in Thursday. I have usually typically four or five interviews. Uh, Mondays and Tuesdays are typically editing a lot of editing. Um, now I have outsourced that in the past somewhat, but I typically do more of my editing or now I'm giving it to my daughter, but certainly lining up the segments for and saying, this is what I want. Right. Uh, maybe recording some spots, those kind of things. Uh, there's always business stuff there, you know, these ad agencies, and this is something that I would say to podcasters or to video people when these ad agencies come in and say, Hey, do you have an availability, uh, in the show, such and such a date? They don't expect you to get back to them in a week. Mm -hmm. They expect almost immediate answers. So, you know, I always have, you know, the, the phone in the form of the electronic leash with me. So right. sometimes I think I'm done for the day and an advertiser will come in and say, Jim, do you have availabilities on these shows? And I will, if I can answer it from my phone, I will. If not, I'm right back here at the desk answering them because you don't want to lose that opportunity. That's fascinating. So they look short term, like we've got some money left over. We need to find a place to put it. And 
let's call Jim. And if you're not there to take that call or you're not ready, then it goes to the next. It could. It could. Right. You don't want to give them a chance. The thing when you work with ad agencies, and I know this from my sales years, what you want to do is make their job as easy as possible. You want them to make you an easy decision. Right. If I if I get Jim to do a commercial, the copy is going to be right. Um, the invoices are going to be right. Uh, right. When he runs an ad, he's going to report it back to us if they don't have some automated system for that. You want them to feel very comfortable with you as a professional that you're going to deliver the goods and make their job easy because guess what? They have to work with tens, hundreds of different outlets. So you don't want to be the one that's always a problem because if you become right. a problem, they're like, well, I could go with Jim or I could go with this person who's easier to work with. So right. you want him to always say, go to Jim because he's going to make your job easy. Um, and, and then there's, you know, things like right now I'm looking, I want to get my website redesigned. I got to find hours for that. I'm working on my sixth book, my campfire book, and I'll probably have to work extra hours for that. And then there's always the unexpected crisis, plus building your social media, mm -hmm. plus creating artwork for like in Canva to promote you. I see you do it spectacularly with your shows, artwork okay. to promote them. All these little things add up and I work well over a 40 hour week. I have tried, particularly during the summer, not to work on the weekends. But that's if everything goes to a plan. Sometimes it doesn't go to plan. And the thing is, is that when you are the man, you are the man or woman and right. you have to do it. There's not somebody to call up and say, Hey, Fred, can you cut these spots for me? There's no Fred. <laughs> hey, you know. hey, when's that promo going to be? Exactly. Ready, exactly. <laughs> I want to like, record that and go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so important to be organized. I, I want to show you guys, I've got a double secret tip here that I just picked up for, you could use this for podcasting. I okay. guess you could use it for live streaming. Uh, I don't, Ross, have you ever gotten like a gift, like for your birthday or something and you got it and you thought, uh, I'm not going to like it that much. And, uh, you get it and you're like, it oh my gosh, it yeah. happens. Well, I got this for my birthday. It's called the rocket book. Okay. And what it is, is a book and it's made with special paper and you can write on it, you write notes, and then you take your phone and you can scan it and it'll send you to your email and your Google Drive and whatever. Hmm. And it'll have that notes and then you can wipe it off and reuse it. So what I've done is, is um, you can make templates in it. So I had uh, my wife's handwriting is much better than mine. I made this grid for every interview. And I have the name, the title, what show it's for, because I have several different shows with my plus shows. I have about 10 different shows. I put the start time of the edit, the end time. I put any notes about any flubs, anything that needs mm -hmm. to be edited out. I've got, I've got record date, inter interview start time, interview ed time, break time, approximate length, audio quality, interview quality, topic, edit notes, questions. And then when I'm done with the interview, I I scan that, it sends it to my email, my Google Drive, and then when I edit or my daughter or someone edits it, they have the full notes of every episode because I don't know about you, if you're editing audio, one of the tough things is, is that you remember when I interviewed Fred, we're going to talk about Fred again. I interviewed Fred, but I know there was a flub in there somewhere, but where, where was that? And what time did I st actually start the interview after we started chatting? And all that stuff takes like 10 or 20 minutes to do. It adds a lot of time to editing. If you've got that all out and 
your handy dandy electronic note from Rocketbook. Hmm. Um, and I don't own any stock in the company, by the way, but I just thought that's, I'm probably going to do a YouTube video on this. I think it's such a, like a neat hack. And Very then cool. I started using it. I'm like, well, I'm putting the same thing. So I had my wife do a template and magic marker, which does not, uh, well, actually, uh, Sharpie doesn't erase. So every time, and then I just take the little cloth and I wipe it off when I'm done and start the new, I just had six how many interviews did I do today? I did two big, two longer ones and I did six, no, four short ones. And every guest, I would put the notes, write it down, wipe it off. And I think when you have to do stuff yourself to your point, getting back to your point, you have to try to figure productivity hacks mm -hmm. and way to make yourself more efficient. For me, it's to-do lists. I love to-do lists uh, because I, my mind can't hold all this stuff. So I've got to put, it goes back to uh, David Allen and uh, his method. And I'm blanking on it now, but the idea that you get everything down in a trusted resource, you write everything down. So you don't have to remember everything. You right. know, I can go to this place like my to-do list or whatever it might be. And it's going to be there. Yeah. Do you write down, um, a lot of reminders before you record a podcast, like you script out your, no. your ad reads or any of that stuff, oh. or are you familiar enough? Like with most of the products that it's, you know, it's second nature and to read it would actually slow you down. Right. Like it would come I, across better. Actually I, I pre-record the ads, but I do them oh, in the okay. live style. So they sound live. Let me tell um, you about kind of yeah, thing rather yeah. than, yeah. And, and what I do is because they come across with certain things they need to get across, which is right. But then I try to incorporate it into my life and in, in ways that I use the product and be very authentic about that. And it seems to seems to work well. And I try to draw on examples. Uh, you know, it, uh, you know, it, uh, for example, it's a, a product everybody uses. Uh, I have native deodorant and it, it's a great product and works great. And I say, hey, whether I'm out in the yard cutting the grass, I'm here, I'm feeling fresh. It's great. It's a great product. And I mean it, it is a great product. And and I, I say this on the commercials, it's true, uh, but uh, don't let them know that. If they stopped yeah. advertising tomorrow, I'd still use it. But I, <laughs> I, you know, I take anecdotes from my own life and, and right. you know, I, I'm like a like typical guy. I would just buy what was on the shelf, and a lot of times it would irritate me and things like that. But with Native, uh, it's been they're all natural. It's a great experience, and I and I mean that, and I think that comes through on the spot. Yeah. Um. If you look at the future of podcasting, with always always predictions that this is the year of podcasting, this is the year of growth, this is or this is the year where the big guys take over the big uh, companies take over uh, or this is the year of the independent podcast. You, you're always hearing these different predictions that, you know, like there's going to be a jump in one direction and right. this is the year it happens. Right. And it, it seems that it all happens very gradually with podcasting. Do you, is that how you see it? And do you have a sense of, where life is going for the independent podcaster who wants to either do it full time or do it as a, as a side hustle. Well, let me say this. I think that there will always be an opportunity who, for people who want to do it as a hobby. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in a very selfish mode, I worry about people like me 
Uh, Leo Laporte in Inside Podcasting, and Leo, if if you don't know who he is, he is a podcasting legend. As far as I'm concerned, he's one of the two or three most important people in the history of podcasting, along with Adam Curry and Dave Weiner, who had basically invented it. But uh, Leo has his own network of uh, technology podcast. And honestly, he was kind of a model for what I wanted to do in, in my vertical. And uh, he recently had uh, was quoted in Inside Podcasting basically saying that he was concerned that um, the era of the independent podcaster in terms of the independent pro podcaster could be on its way out. Not that it is, but it could be because the Spotify's of the world are wanting to take over. There's going to be other companies wanting to do the same. I think he didn't say it, but I think the idea is maybe commoditize advertising where it's like banner advertising or something like that. And then that drops the prices down, you know, a banner ad, you, I don't know what the CPMs on that <laughs> right, or two right. or $3. You know, if that happened to me, it would, it would not sink me because I have the premium, mm -hmm. uh, but it would uh, hurt me in a major, major way. And I worry for other independents. Now, Leo, says he remains hopeful mm -hmm. and part of it is what the you know what some advertisers want is they want to be able to slice and dice the audience like a facebook ad right, right? right. which you can't do currently with podcasting under the traditional system but if the people who want to change that system get their way then it would really hurt the indies like me. So is that's that what why people mean when they say like dynamic ad insertion. Well, or... dynamic is different. Okay. Dynamic is when you just, um, okay, let's say I have an open spot on my podcast between 10 minutes and 11 minutes right. where you can insert an ad. Uh, dynamic is just uh, in injecting an ad into that space. But, but you don't that know can what the ad would be, right? It's the it's the host would would handle that, or you could you you could do a couple of different ways. You could say to a company, just run anything, or mm -hmm. you could say only run stuff I've uh, I've voiced. Dynamic oh, okay. advertising is not the problem. The way advertising is purchased mm -hmm. right now, let's say a show gets fifty thousand downloads, a company generally will buy you know fifty thousand downloads on that show. Right. But they don't necessarily know age, sex, income, all of that stuff, uh, buying habits. They want to be able to triangulate on all that information and then buy very small snippets of that audience. Right. And also would tend to bring the CPMs down. So something like that, a, a more kind of almost computer-based buying model or thing, I think could be could be scary for the independent podcaster. Right, right. Um, and it has privacy issues too, because now with RSS feed, generally, you know, I don't know where you're listening from and things, but big companies like Spotify, if you have their app and you're listening, they, they know everything about you, you know, uh, Once and that's you give what them the permission to yeah. your, your phone and your photos. Well, it's, your... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the terms of service. Right. right and right. I mean, I love Spotify. I'm a big Spotify user. Uh, but the point is that's a different model for ad sales. So I, I, while, for example, Rogan, I don't blame him one bit and I, and I'll be following him on there as well. But, um, if the whole industry would go to that model to only being available on a Spotify, then I think that would be truly scary, but uh, there's still hope. I've, I'm not giving up hope yet, mm. but to the point, 
that's also why I'm looking at video too, not only because I like video and that was my original training back in the day, but I want to find ways to diversify and protect myself in case the marketplace changes in a big way. Right. And video, however you want to measure it, views, engagement, what, what have you can be another metric to add in and say in addition, right? I mean, in addition to yeah, and it can build X the number audience. of downloads. Yeah. Okay, we're getting X number of people on Facebook right. Live and YouTube. Right. And, right. You know, and that's another thing. I see each one helping the other. For example, I'm going to be doing more campfire videos. Now, there may be people who watch that on YouTube who have never listened to a podcast, or maybe they listen to podcasts, but they never heard of me. Because there's right. a lot of podcasters out there and say, oh, he has a podcast. Let's listen to that. So I think it can be as well as leveraging it for ads and audience engagement. I think right. it can also be useful uh, to promote the podcast. So I think it's like a virtuous circle. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. It's been fascinating learning about your story and the life of a professional podcaster and also just hearing your enthusiasm about StreamYard and live streaming and bringing uh, video into your your content creation sphere and uh, people can find Jim jimharold.com you also have five soon to be six books on Kindle and you have bestsellers tell us a, a real quick about your books and how people can look for them Sure. Well, the podcast they can find Jim Harold's Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast, which are our, my main two free podcasts on any of the major uh, podcast players, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And uh, the books are actually compilations of the best stories from my Campfire podcast. Each book has about 70 stories in it of uh, stories of people who have experienced something strange. And even if you're a skeptic, I think most people can say, you know, there was that one time and they can find all five of my campfire books, hopefully soon to be six at uh, jimharoldbooks.com or on Amazon just by searching for Jim Harold's campfire. And thank you, Ross. It's been a real privilege to be on the show and uh, I think you're doing great stuff with StreamYard and I applaud what you're doing and I look forward to watching uh, many more future episodes of StreamYard Connect. Thank you so much, Jim. It's a, it's a really an honor to have you on the show and uh, I, I love what you're doing. Thank you. That is Jim Harold, Jim Harold Media. Stay tuned. As I promised, uh, in the po- I'm going to do a little post show and I'm going to walk you through the process of going live on Amazon Live for those who have access or plan on applying using StreamYard. And if you don't have Amazon Live or don't plan on applying for Amazon Live, this will also show you how to use RTMP so you can apply it to any site that doesn't have direct integration with StreamYard as does Facebook and YouTube and Periscope slash Twitter and Twitch and LinkedIn Live. So if you want to go to something beyond those sites, this will show you how to do it. But first, let's take a look back at uh, our last couple weeks' episodes. Last week, we talked to a group of SEO experts. We did our very first panel. I'd love to know in the chat if you saw that show. Did you enjoy the panel? 
Here's uh, a clip from from last week. This is something that I have seen directly with clients and with my with my own videos. You publish them in YouTube, and by default, Google will, of course, grab those videos within the 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 carousel, the video carousel, when you search about that topic, right? But if you want to have a double dip and more maximize your visibility in those search results, you should also take the video and publish it within your website, embed it, embed it in your website as a blog post and caption the, the video. And, and then when you embed it in, in, your, in your website, I will highly recommend to, instead of using the YouTube embed, to use, for example, a Wistia embed that will add by default the video object structure data that will give the signal to Google telling that that is a video object, that that is a video, and then they will show the thumbnail along the organic search results. So it will maximize the visibility for any page of yours that has a video embedded there. That was the latest Elise, along with Brendan Mulligan and Marissa Kelly. That was a fun panel. A couple weeks ago, we had Victor Cahillo talking about 42 years in the music business. Tell us a little bit about your background in music, 42 years playing as a professional musician. How did you get started? How did you become interested in the saxophone and, and, and talk a little bit about your early days in, in music? I started playing woodwinds back when I was in junior high school, was in my first um, garage band, if you will, by the age of 17, started playing gigs. And I was in California that whole time, originally born in Cuba, came when I was nine to the U.S. And uh, I just, you know, I played a lot of gigs in, in California, nightclubs, um, dive bars, great venues with really great artists, uh, did an awful lot of recording out there in, uh, as a sideman, you know, mm -hmm. I would be called up to do a horn section thing. Again, it was all C list. Don't, don't be, I'm not going to be pretentious <laughs> and pretend that I was doing a list stuff. I wasn't. So that, uh, is Victor talking about his music career. He also talked about his love for technology and combining that with music. I've had a, a very um, deep career in music. I am a big nerd, and so I really love the intersection of technology and the arts. It's kind of where my heart lives. And so uh, all along the way, I uh, practiced sound design and, and got into mixers and, and DAWs, you know, digital audio workstations. And so I've been recording myself and others, boy, since I was probably 18 or 19 on uh, – four track reel to reels where we had to do uh literally um editing was done with a knife and in a in a in a block and so it's been <laughs> it's been a, a long time and it's been a really really fun career as a musician um along the way as i think you said in your um 1920s silent intro i was also <laughs> an <laughs> i was also an it guy i i worked right. for a major telco for 26 years and you can check out all of our past episodes from Season 2 and Season 3, which we're currently in, on the StreamYard Facebook page, facebook.com slash StreamYard app. And if you'd like to start using StreamYard, you're not using it yet, head on over to LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard, LivestreamUniverse.com slash StreamYard. Now, as promised, let's take a look at how to go live on Amazon using StreamYard. Now, earlier I talked about 
how to apply for and get access to Amazon Live. It's not guaranteed by any means, but I went through the different stages of the Amazon Associates program and how you can uh, apply. So if you don't didn't uh, weren't with us at that time, easy for me to say, go back and and check that out. Okay, so let's take a look at uh, how to go live. So the first thing you want to do is you obviously want to open up the iOS app. It's only available on, on iOS right now. And when you open that up, you'll see uh, your page. At the bottom, there's a plus sign. You click that plus sign to create a new broadcast. Once you do that, you have to add at least one product to this. You're on Amazon to sell products on Amazon. You're not there to send people to your website or anything else. If you want to uh, be in good standing with Amazon, you're there to sell. So uh, if you don't add a product, they won't let you go live. In fact, you probably want to add more than one product. And if you talk about a bunch of products, you can put a product carousel together that, that will appear underneath your live video. And of course, you can go live from your mobile phone but this is to show you how you can go live using StreamYard, whether you use it with uh, a webcam or a DSLR, mirrorless camera, uh, whatever camcorder. This will show you how you can use StreamYard as your encoding software to connect to uh, the Amazon Live Creator app. And you can also use Am you can also use StreamYard on mobile and still have more of the features that we love to use. So uh, you put in your title, your start time, uh, and then you choose your video source. That's the key one you see in the, the third picture on the right. Uh, it'll say video source. Instead of selecting phone camera, you select use a different camera or use an external camera. Okay, once you click on that, then the next page you come to, there it is. It says external camera. You, you tap that get URL and stream key and then click the save button. What I do is I then paste that into an email and send it to myself. And that will have the two pieces of key information that you need to enter into StreamYard to connect to Amazon. And once you do it once, the best I can tell, it's a persistent stream key, so you don't need to keep doing it every time you go live. Okay, and this works, by the way, for any RTMP destination, not just for Amazon Live, but this is how you do it in Amazon Live. Now let's get to the StreamYard side, which, like I say, works for any destination. Okay, so you, you copy and paste the URL and stream key into an email and send it to yourself that's how I do it. I then open the email on my computer, uh, you know, send it from my phone, open it on the computer, and you head on into StreamYard, and you go to the second tab on the left, which is Destinations, and you click Add a Destination. Once you do that, you'll see all the different options of where you can go with StreamYard. You'll want to click Custom RTMP. After you do that, you'll come to the page that will will tell you to add a custom RTMP by entering your RTMP server URL and your stream key. That's where you open up the email that you sent with that code that you copied from 
Amazon Live and you enter the RTMP server URL. It almost looks like a website URL, but it starts with RTMP. And you enter the stream key into the second uh, the second slot there. And then nickname. And I just call mine Amazon Live so that that way when I mouse over, it comes up as an A in the destinations. I mouse over it. It says Amazon Live. And as long as that remains a persistent stream key, I don't have to go through this process again each time I go live. Okay, so now you go back to the the first tab and broadcasts. You click create a broadcast, and now you can pick Amazon Live as your destination. Again, you'll see the RTMP logo there, and you'll see... Uh, probably an A or whatever you name it, you'll see the first letter. Uh, and as you mouse over it, whatever you, you nicknamed it, again, I, I just call it Amazon Live, that comes up. You select that, and now you're, re- you're basically ready to go live. You do everything else as you normally would do. You go into the studio, you add your camera, you add your microphone, you choose how you're going to listen to the broadcast, If you have any graphics or logo, overlay, any of that stuff, you can add that in the studio and you get your setup for the broadcast just like any other show. And then what you want to do is go live on StreamYard. And when you do that, you you hit the go live button on StreamYard first. Then you open up the Amazon Live creator app, the iOS app, and once you've connected live on StreamYard, wait, you know, 20, 30 seconds. Make sure the connection's probably there on, uh, on, on the app, the Amazon app. Now, there is a, a button you can click that says preview, which may give you the video. I just trust that after 20 to 30 seconds, it's connected and I go live because I've always got, I, I, I've always got my uh, Amazon store page shop page open uh because that's where i click the items in the carousel to show them using a screen share so i know that i'm live after i hit that amazon button so you go live first in Streamyard, wait 20 to 30 seconds and then go live hit the go live button in the app and then you just use the app to monitor your comments they're not going to come into the Streamyard studio when you're using custom rtmp and that that's how it works. And, uh, you know, if anybody has any questions, throw them in the chat. I, I'll go back through it. But it's it's pretty easy. You, you go to the Amazon app. You get your RTMP URL. You get your stream key. You enter those by creating a new destination, RTMP destination in StreamYard. Put both of those in. Give it a name that you'll remember. And you go live from StreamYard, and then you go live from the Amazon Live Creator app, and you monitor your comments in the Creator app. When you're done, you shut down the Creator app, and then you end the broadcast in StreamYard like any other broadcast. If you're on uh, the Basic or Pro plan, you can also download the recording and the the, the video recording, and if you want to just download the audio file, you can do that as well. Uh, let me just take a look. Uh, Bishop Donald Oliver's talking about the SEO show, says it was a good show, SEO, very informative. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Paul, uh, 
let's see. Let's see if there's any questions related to this. Uh, Michael Kinney's here. Past guests is great show, Ross. Uh, Tom L. Pittman, the seventh, perhaps, uh, says, this is my absolute first time watching StreamYard Connect. Wow, I love this. And Jim Harold is absolutely brilliant. I love listening to his advice on this topic. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate the uh, warm welcome or the warm uh, comments and welcome to uh, StreamYard Connect. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show. Don't forget, we're here every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern on the StreamYard Facebook page and across social media. But it's not the only show we have. We have, let's get to all of our shows right there. We have uh, the StreamYard Town Hall Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Gage Vandentop and Dan Briggs, the co-founders, take your questions. They share new features when they have them. You can watch that on Facebook LinkedIn, YouTube, and Periscope slash Twitter. And Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, it's StreamYard Spotlight with Dana and Kelsey Benz, and they interview StreamYard users. So if you're a StreamYard user and you're interested in being on their show, there's a form you can fill out. Uh, head on over to the StreamYard community and find out more about that. That takes place on the StreamYard Facebook page, Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, StreamYard Spotlight. And then, of course, come back here next week on Wednesday. We're talking with Coach Jenny, how to build a successful coaching business using online tools like live streaming and Facebook groups and a, a whole lot more. We'll find out Coach Jenny's story, how she became uh, a very successful coach online and also uh, her process for creating a book and speaking and just becoming a, a, a wonderful example of somebody using these online tools to create a successful business. Thank you all so much. Thanks again to our guest, Jim Harold. Check him out, jimharold.com. And don't forget, if you're not using StreamYard yet, sign up, livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. Take care, everybody, and have a great day. We'll see you next week.